Welcome to High Energy Health, where together we explore the leading edge of wellness and happiness. I'm your host, Dawson Church. By choosing this time together, you're declaring your commitment to a positive mindset, elevated emotions, and a great life. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Hello, lovely listeners. You are listening to the High Energy Health Podcast. My name is Amanda Wonderland. I'm a clinical EFT and energy psychology practitioner, and it is my great honor to be guest hosting this podcast for Dr. Dawson Church. I'm so excited that you guys are joining us today because we get to talk about one of my very favorite subjects, the emotional freedom technique. And I am going to learn so much with you guys as our new, as our guest for today is going to teach us about how to use that with animals and how to communicate with animals in a really powerful way. So happy to have you, Joan. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Let me tell you guys a little bit about Joan first. Her name is Joan Renquette, and she is an accomplished animal communicator, a TEDx speaker, educator, animal guardian and the author of Emotional Freedom Technique for Animals and Their Humans, Creating a Harmonious Relationship Through Tapping. I love that title. And in it, Joan shares powerful insights for using animal communication to ease the separation anxiety your pets and you may be experiencing. You can find out more about Joan at her website, which is joanranquette.com. And I'm so excited to learn about what brought you to EFT in the first place. What opened up your mind to the possibility of healing through this modality? So I've been an animal communicator for quite a while, and I'm doing a different energy modality called scalar wave that I still do. And, but I had been the victim of a crime. And as a result, I couldn't sleep. And so, and I'm someone that I could sleep in a busy airport, right? So that really kind of freaked me out and was hard on my health. And so I thought, well, I'll try hypnotism. And this was in about 2001. And I went to this guy and he said, I've got this new technique and I think it's going to work even better than hypnotism. And I thought, all right, what do I know? I just want to sleep. So (laughs) I did this weird thing where I'm tapping on my face and I'm saying these phrases and it was really awkward. And I was like, there's no way this is going to work. But then that night I like fell right to sleep. (laughs) So I was blown away. And so I didn't think at first, I I thought, oh my God, I've got to learn this because what if, I I, I thought about all my clients where maybe it was a horse and rider and the rider was, the the human was, maybe they had an accident and the human was too afraid to get back on the horse. Like all fear is going to translate in their seat in their voice. I mean, and horses in particular, they're, they're prey animals, right? So they're always in touch with what's around them. So mm-hmm. if you're vibrating nervousness, that's just going to shoot their nervous system through the roof, right? They go right. into fight. Yeah. So I thought about all of those. And I thought, what if I got certified to be able to help the human end of the horse and rider who had had an accident 
And then another large group of my clientele was people who had dogs that maybe had been attacked at the dog park and they were afraid when they saw another same breed or Mm -hmm. their dog was the aggressor. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, again, what translates through the leash, but you know, your fear and anticipation when you see someone of the same breed or even the exact dog that attacked your dog. So I thought just about the human for, you know, first I was just only thinking about the human end of team, the pair. Mm -hmm. And then so I started tapping for a few years on just the human about the situation and found it very amazing because even when, if I change my feelings about a situation, I'm going to be come to it much differently. And so that was very effective. But when in 2004, so I'd gotten certified, I was working a lot with people. And in the 90s, I had taken a bunch of, I'd gotten certified as an for acupressure for animals, but I didn't, I didn't follow through. I mean, I got certified, but I didn't stay on top of my certifications, but you can never forget the important acupressure points. Right. Right. So, and I use them to this day. I use that education clearly every day with the EFT, but I, so I was faced with a situation where this horse and I lived in Florida at the time and there was a big horse show and the, um, a horse client of mine was, you know, signed up to go into the horse show and he, the trainer was my trainer and this horse's trainer. And he called me in a panic and he was, he's a great rider. So if he's in a panic, I know it's bad. And right. he said, Shakespeare, the horse is going after all the ponies that are here in the warm up ring. And so all these little girls are riding ponies and they're terrified oh, of the no. giant horse, right? Yeah. So I drove out there and I took the horse down into a different area where nobody could see this weird things. It just, I, had, I knew I was going to tap on someone, but I didn't know who and I didn't know what. <laughs> and so I did the animal communication session with the horse and he had shared that he had been taken away from his mom when he was too young, which I think every animal thinks, right? So he said that, and he said that then he was thrown out into a field with ponies, and he was really small at the time, and that the ponies had picked on him, and so he just hated ponies. And so that was my script, right? Like, I hate ponies. And I knew all the points would be similar right we want that bladder one we want these stomach points we want these calming points yeah so went for it and it was like i hate ponies i hate ponies right Mm -hmm. and just the whole thing and then i saw him start to release and i moved it into maybe i could let it go you know and i can forgive the ponies and i can be with ponies and so we walked him out into that area where the ponies were right and he he was still skeptical, but he was in his body and not going after everybody. And months later, he was in a barn where he was across the barn aisle from a pony. And in the end, he retired next to a pony and they were seen oh. grooming each other. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. What an amazing story. I love that. What a great way to test the effects, too. Put them back out there. Yes. Ponies and see. Ponies and see. Well, it's going to be immediate, right? With animals. 
Yeah. And with EFT. So you're combining yeah. like, so you just kind of found on the horse's face, let's go to the eyebrow side of the eye, under the eye, maybe collarbone and just used what we know in humans and what you know from animal acupressure points to just do a full basic recipe sequence. Like totally. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. And then I started, I, then I went back to all my acupressure books and really looked at what would be the most effective points and yeah. why was it working. So I took the spleen point out partly because if I'm, I found that if I'm with an animal who's afraid to begin with and I reach around after I've already calmed yeah. them on their face, that mm -hmm. like, that's going to be weird. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So you're the first person of your kind to really translate EFT to animals in this way. Well, there's one other gal in England, but yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> I took it as far as I could take it in terms of really matching it with the human version and understanding what each of these points do. You know, because even for an animal, if, if you can't for us, this is stomach one a little more up toward the eyeball, but right. on a horse and a dog, this is stomach one on, and a cat on the bone. And that is, if you did no other point on an animal, that point is profound, you know? And when you see them starting to amp up and getting nervous about something or have anxiety, like you could just do that and you're going to, you're going to really help. And the other thing about knowing acupressure is on the top of the head. And a lot of animals don't love to be touched on the top of mm -hmm. the head, mm -hmm. but you can, and you can lightly touch every, all the acupressure meridians kind of, not all of them, but like many come through the top of the head. And yeah. so this becomes so relaxing. Mm -hmm. You're, doing you're multitasking at that point so yeah, i love that <laughs> i know some people um leave out the top of the head and i'm like no no that's like the meaning of all these different points i love yeah. the top of the head it's one of my favorite points me too yeah. yeah so then this happened to me a couple of years ago and i'm curious how you would go about this i was walking my friend's dog with him and the dog got attacked and the leash came out of his hand he got a rope burn the dog got bit there was blood everywhere all three of us were clearly traumatized from this dog and so i tapped you know because i still had the racing heart and like an ability to catch him and save him and all that stuff but the dog, you could tell, was still carrying around that trauma. Anytime he went near that house or anywhere near where he was attacked, his tail would go under. And he was a big Alaskan Malamute German Shepherd mix, mm -hmm. like a big, beautiful dog. But I also noticed that his owner kind of changed his body language. So I understand you would tap with the owner on the trauma. But then how would you approach that with the dog to help? And I know that tapping with the owner will have effects on the dog but then what would you do to release that from the dog's body i would um i would do exactly the same thing you know eyebrow i got attacked outside yeah. of the eye got attacked under mm -hmm. the eye I'm so scared top of the mm -hmm. nose out of nowhere under the chin out of nowhere inside the mm -hmm. chest i attacked top of the head i was attacked wow. you know yeah yeah and you, I keep it so simple with animals, you know, 
we might have more baggage. Like I'll say this on occasion, some animals that have been attacked repeatedly, I always say that they have some sort of an energetic kick me sign. Yeah. Yeah. So I go back to, it reminds me of, and then I try to take them back to the first attack. Smart. Very smart. So you get all that information from the owner. You do like an intake. And the dog. You do. So let's talk about that. What, how do you communicate with animals? So as an animal communicator, I do telepathy, which is the transference of pictures, words, and feelings. And so I might've gotten a story of, you know, from the animal that, something had happened before and so he went into freeze you know instead of fight or flight uh, he probably went into freeze and flight right yeah absolutely so my guess is something like that had happened before and oh, so that's where i would start is getting the story from his perspective yeah. and then using that experience those emotions to help him release it I love that I was reading on your website, you were saying it's not just for like a select few gifted people to be able to communicate with animals like anybody can do this, you can learn to talk to your dogs and cats and horses. And so what's the trick? Do you just have to like slow everything down inside you so you can really tune into that? Yeah, I, I mean, the tuning in part, yes. And then being really aware of what we are saying, what we are feeling. I call it like being an emotional leader, like you know, if I know there's something really sad, I'm going to be sad, but I'm not going to like, let it permeate my whole house. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I have to really process my emotions in uh, an efficient way. I use a lot of EFT, but just I'm really present with my emotions and allow them to be there so that I'm a good emotional le leader for my animals. Because a lot of times, and that's anxiety becomes a really big trigger you get an animal who's having an experience and then the person who's having an experience and we're just compounding their experience. So it's like being aware of our feelings and being aware of what we're thinking, being aware of what we're saying, being aware of how we're being. That's part of it. That's the sending part. And the receiving part is just getting very quiet and being able to get a sense of who this animal is, animal is on the planet and how they feel and what they've done and, what they love and you know all of that yeah do you remember the first time that you were able to really hear listen and see what an animal was going through yeah i i actually what happened was i took a i used an animal communicator in the late 80s that that dates me and <laughs> early night uh for a horse and i remember thinking Oh, she's gifted. And, but I would follow her around with a, a, a video camera, a big one, right? Remember those big tapes? I you do. Probably I, do. I do remember them. <laughs> but, so I would video her talking to animals for the people. And I remember thinking, how did I know that about that horse? Or how did I know that about that dog? You know, so it was still kind of mystical and far away. And so, you know, probably like eight years later, I took a class, maybe not even that long. I took a class and, and so I kind of learned like getting a sense of the pictures, the words and the feelings by getting very quiet. And like you said, slowing everything down. And after that, I, I realized 
that I'd been hearing or connecting all along, but you don't know that you're doing that until you kind of understand the sequence of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You kind of miss the cues because you're elsewhere. Yeah. 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 So it's a lot of mindfulness. It sounds like just being in the present moment and tuning in, right? Tuning in. Yes. Amazing. I love it. So what led you to write the book then? What guided you? What was your journey toward writing? And I know you've written lots of other books too. I read about on your website as well. What is it about this book and the separation anxiety in particular? Well, I just feel like it's one of those things that I kind of handhold people through the book of like, here's how you can create the script and here are the points and you really could do this. It's going to be awkward and jumbled, but it'd be worth a shot, right? Like you're going to feel closer to your animal. So just like with animal communication, I believe anybody could do EFT. I mean, some people are going to be more intuitive and gifted or practiced and able to really masterfully get to something quicker, but it's still worth a shot to try it at home, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's only so much time I have and Mm -hmm. I've got a lot of graduates in my program and there's only so many people and time that they have. And so I feel like this is kind of my year to put it out on the map, EFT and animals, right? Like why not? Yeah. Yeah. And you also offer trainings, right? At different ranches and for different, is it individuals or organizations or both? Both. So I, I teach, um, animal communication and energy healing and certification programs. And I teach it also just anybody could take it, even if they didn't want to get certified. Yeah. I have digital classes, live classes, and then I'm starting to work with the shelters for the unadoptable animals. And that's been profound. Mm-hmm. So I identified like four groups that kind of fall into that category of unadoptable, which would be overly exuberant, mm-hmm. shut down, mm-hmm. reactive. And then the ones that just are so, so in shock that they've made themselves invisible and they get overseen at the, you know, could be a perfectly nice dog, but nobody's put an application in on this dog, right? Or a cat. Mm-hmm. So I started I created a, a series of scripts for like the, the shelter staff and volunteers to work with so that they didn't have to come up with it for each of those categories. And we did a big pilot project at a shelter in Michigan last August and all of the animals got adopted. Oh my like, gosh. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Could, so, like, save animals. You could save yeah. so many animals. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So it's, um, yeah, I really want, I mean, to me in the, in the shelter system, there's a genocide going on, right? Like if an animal gets returned because it didn't work out in your house, they're the first on the euthanasia list because, mm-hmm. you know, and we're such a consumable society that we're like, ah, let me just return the dog. Well, now you've just put that dog on death row. Yeah. And so that's what I want to stop. You know, speaks, and if, yeah. what's that? It just speaks to the power to of healing trauma, and it actually changes personalities in animals and humans of just allowing them to 
release that energetic blockage from their body. And then all of a sudden they're no longer invisible. They're no longer reactive. They're no longer too exuberant. Like, I just think that's such a cool pilot study that you did. Yeah. Really, really cool. Thank you. Thank you for the work that you're doing and being an animal guardian an animal advocate. It's really, really cool. I love how you use EFT on humans and animals. And we're going to talk a bit more about that right after this commercial break. So you guys can look up Joan Ranquette at her website, which is joanranquette.com. And her new book came out last year and it's Emotional Freedom Technique for Animals and Their Humans, Creating a Harmonious Relationship Through Tapping. So stay tuned and we will be right back. You're listening to the High Energy Health Podcast. This is Amanda Wonderland, guest hosting for Dawson Church. Hello, and welcome back to the High Energy Health Podcast. My name is Amanda Wonderland, and I am guest hosting for Dr. Dawson Church. And we are speaking to Joan Ranquette today, who is an animal communicator, EFT practitioner, and she recently wrote a book called Emotional Freedom Technique for Animals and Their Humans, Creating a Harmonious Relationship Through Tapping. And I really love that this book focuses on easing the separation anxiety that pets and their owners might be feeling And it reminded me of this adorable documentary that I just fell in love with called The Biggest Little Farm, where this cute couple adopted or rescued this gorgeous dog. And they actually got evicted from their apartment because he had the worst separation anxiety and barked all day long, all night long. Anytime they were away, the neighbors complained and then they came home to an eviction notice on their door. So they had to go buy a farm. And I mean, that was kind of their dream anyway, but he was like, what pushed them to actually make it come true. And I just wonder what would have happened if they would have had some tapping, if they would have had this book, they probably would have gotten the farm eventually, but that dog may have suffered a lot less. Can you imagine just barking all day long? Like I can't imagine the stress that a dog must undergo. So what kind of tips would you have for an animal owner who has that kind of situation? Well, for one thing, you know, when we get upset about something and, you know, especially if like we continue to get upset, like a dog would where they're barking and barking and barking, sometimes you almost kind of leave your body, right? Like we'd want to find some ways to really ground that dog in the energy. That would be my first instinct. And one of the, my favorite things to do in that situation is to do something called the bladder sweep, which is taking your hand again, where all these acupressure points come together, right? And mm-hmm. the bladder meridian runs from the eyebrow, uh, yeah. first one, the bladder one, and it goes all the way down on us to the outside of our little toe. Mm-hmm. And so the same on a dog and on a horse. And so, and think about the tail too, is right there. So what I will often do is just stroke a dog or a cat or even a horse. It's a bigger task with a horse. Stroke from the top of the head all the way down the neck, the back, over the hips. And I start with then the end of the tail. So I go three times from the top of the head, down the body, up to the tip of the tail, down the head, from the head, 
across the body, down to the tip of the tail. And then I do it from the top of the head down to the to the end of the bladder meridian mm-hmm. on their side toe, yeah. three times each leg. And that weirdly puts them back in their body. It's It really helps them just go, okay. Yeah. So if you were to do something like that before you were to walk out of your house to go to work, mm-hmm. that's one. Another thing that, I mean, this is really practical, but training, the third thing is exercise. The yeah. fourth thing is look at the diet, right? It's a holistic approach. Right. And then, of course, EFT. And I would really go back to like, what is the, you know, I mean, you could even tap on separating from their mother when they were weaned. That could be a, a powerful thing. And yeah. starting with that, and then you could tap on, I would end it with, but my people always come back. They always mm-hmm. come, they always come back. I'm okay. I'm safe. With animals, I love to always end on, I'm safe, I'm calm, I'm confident, things like that. I start out with that, like, uh uh-oh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We got to talk about the truth of the moment before we can feel safe, right? And the truth is they have anxiety because they don't know where their owners are, but. Yeah. That's amazing. Sometimes I think of like that kind of barking as like, you know how a dolphin echo locates yeah it's their echo like hey where mm. is <laughs> yeah yeah that makes perfect sense and then the owners themselves obviously are going to be experiencing some anxiety before they walk out the door and when they return just because of the past of having the separation yeah. anxiety so you would have the humans do some tapping on themselves too absolutely i would have the humans tap on their ability to keep everybody safe, even though they're not home, just it's even they may not feel safe, or they may get really triggered, or they could be super frustrated. Mm -hmm. We never like to admit that we're frustrated or mad at our animals, but we are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It actually reminds me a lot of like tapping with children. In the same way that animals are really intuitive and can feel and absorb their owner's energy, children are the same way. So that's what we always advise when you're tapping with your children. Make sure that you yourself are regulated first because they can pick up on that very, very quickly and mirror your level of dysregulation and irritation and frustration. You can't hide that stuff from animals or kids. So. Yeah, it's really important to tap on yourself in both instances. So you have three horses and three dogs and four cats. Is that right? Have you gotten any more? Since it, well, <laughs> um, since then, I I lost a cat and a horse, but I've gained a horse and two horses. So okay. I have four cat, four horses, yeah. three cats and three dogs. I lost two family members last year. Oh, I'm so sorry, Joan. Yeah, it's been tough. Yeah, but it's interesting because in bringing new animals in with the horses grieving, I have done a lot of tapping mm. on the horses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, good. And when did you first fall in love with animals? Uh, apparently, I couldn't. I didn't say mom or dad. I said horse first. Uh, 
Really? <laughs> That's funny. So probably before your incarnation on this the, planet this time uh, around. Yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> the other thing, I always joke that I was raised as a small lap dog because there, I, I've never found a picture of myself where I'm not sitting with the dog or sitting on my dad's lap with the dog or I'm in my crib with the dog or, you know, there, I don't, there's no solo pictures of me. So I was a small lap dog for quite a while. That's so funny. So then is that what your daily routine consists of? You kind of wake up and take care of your animals and then do your training. Tell me what your daily routine looks like with your animals. So on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I get up and I meditate and then I go feed and then I come back and I jump rope and mm -hmm. I work out and then I ride I or work with my horses for a couple of hours. I'm in the house and teaching on Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I wake up, meditate, feed, and then I go on a huge hike into the hills with the dogs like this morning. Mm -hmm. And then I come back and I, I start my, my day job which is teaching. It was oh, my gosh. oh my gosh. I love your life. That sounds amazing. Sounds like you've Thanks. done a great job creating it for yourself, following your passion, doing what you love, helping people and, and animals. And that's super cool. So I'm so excited to be talking with Joan Ranquette. You guys can find out more about her at her website, which is joanranquette.com. She just wrote a book in addition to other books, but this one was released last year. And it's the emotional freedom technique for animals and their humans creating a harmonious relationship through tapping. So be sure to check it out. You're listening to the High Energy Health Podcast. I'm Amanda Wonderland, guest hosting for Dawson Church. Stay tuned. We will be right back. And hello, welcome back to the High Energy Health Podcast. My name is Amanda Wonderland, and I am guest hosting for Dr. Dawson Church. And we're having a great conversation with Joan Ranquette, who wrote the book Emotional Freedom Techniques for Animals and Their Humans, Creating a Harmonious Relationship Through Tapping. We're having a really great conversation about animals. And I kind of wanted to talk to you, Joan, about some clients that I've had who lose their animals who animals pass they transition to the other side and they are really really shattered about it they're having a hard time letting themselves grieve it because they don't feel like they sh should be grieving as much as they are because they say i'm putting this in quotes it was just a dog i know it was just a cat and so just allowing them to feel okay with the fact that they're grieving and that it was a family member and it's okay that they feel the gravity of these emotions is like the first step in my sessions with them. So I know that you did a TEDx talk on animals in transition. And what would you say to people who are not really allowing themselves to feel the full weight of the grief because it was just a dog or just a pet? So I have a lot to say about this. <laughs> I have a whole um, part of my school that it just focuses on this. And so first and foremost, it was a family member. It was a family member, right? And we're not here put on this earth just to be with other humans and to only be speciesists and think that humans are the only form of family. And the sooner 
that we remember that it's all family. Faster, we're literally going to save the planet. But the with this particular thing, you know, an animal in our lives is not just this dog or cat, also is somebody who we love so purely in a way that we don't love our sister and brother, in a way that we don't love our parents, right? There's so many more complications with our human family members that, you know, human friends, like we've been mad at our friends in a way that we aren't mad at our dog or our cat. And sometimes our animals, we have complicated relationships with them as well, but they still come to this with such an innocence and we have such a purity of our love for them that Mm -hmm. when that goes away, it's taking away something so profound that we can't replicate with people. We haven't been able to replicate. So it really is like removing a mirror aspect of our own innocence, of our own purity of spirit, of our own, you know, and, and then on top of it all, like this, I just lost a horse and I'd had her for 33 years, outlived a husband that, you know, didn't last. She, you know, she represents a major era over half my life, right? Mm -hmm. She represents so much. She was there when I was dating silly guys in Hollywood. She was there when I got married. (laughs) She was there with all the moves I've made. She was there when I, she was part of the career change, right? Like she, she was so much more than just a horse. And even in the end, she was, you know, skinny and old and there wasn't one good leg and she was still stubborn as hell. So, you know what I mean? Like she still was true to herself all the way through. And that's not something we can always say about people also. So they really represent something so, you know, it's like they're almost mythical in our lives. And yet they're these living, breathing creatures Mm -hmm. that deserve to be called family members as much as anybody else. And to teach. I've taught at a college called Stevens College. It's a small private women's college. It's where I went to school and they have an equestrian department. And I've, I've been an adjunct professor there and I've taught animal communication and EFT to the, to the students there. And actually just a side note, all the young girls that have done EFT with their horses have done very well at the horse shows. So it was, yeah, it was crazy. We did that for about three or four years. So I'm going back and we're really implementing EFT and animal communication in the equestrian department like as a you can't graduate without it but they're having me come teach in the counseling department in the marriage and family department because a lot of the young kids these days didn't go to college because they didn't want to leave their family pet and so this school has brought on they have pet friendly dorms so I'm working with the marriage and family, the local rescue, and all of the general population of the school. For And I've created a new kind of guide on how, what the new family values include. And so it really is integrating, you know, animal care at a heightened level as something that is as important as, you know, getting your kid clean clothes and getting them to school. Right. Yeah, absolutely cultivating those relationships with animals is, as you said, going to help us save the world a lot faster when we see them all as family. It is. Yeah. yeah. So just normalizing it for them that that it was a family member and the love that you had for them was like nothing that you'll ever have. And it's okay that you're grieving yeah. the loss of your, yeah. yeah. 
yeah, it is almost bigger because they can't disappoint us in the way that humans do. I do some guided meditation before my sessions that include some heart coherence, like breathing in and out through your heart and then imagining a being that represents unconditional love for you. And we encourage don't choose a person because there's a lot of baggage that comes with people. So yeah. it's basic for me, it was that dog for the longest time. It was that Alaskan Malamute German Shepherd mix. And I would instantly feel joy and gratitude when I thought of this dog. And it made my heart just swell up. It is like they're almost mythical. You can think of an animal or you can think of a guide or an angel or a higher power. But like that's where unconditional love comes from on this plane, you know, because humans aren't good at unconditional love. Our love is very oh. conditional, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I think it's important to express that grief because if we don't recognize it, it just compounds. And then, and, and often the other thing that happens is let's say you have a parent die and you're the one that's in charge of the arrangements, right? We get into arrangements and then we don't have time to grieve. And then when that animal comes along and grieves, sometimes just all our grief, like whoo, whooshes through because mm -hmm. we have space because we aren't in arrangements in the yeah. same way that we are with people. Yeah, good point. You don't have as many distractions to keep you from actually processing the grief. Yeah. Yeah, really good point. Yeah, so so much compassion for people that have lost animals. That is just kind of one of the hazards of they don't live as long as we do, but it's a really great opportunity to honor your emotions, process your grief, have gratitude for that animal and all the joy and love that they brought in into your life. So in case you are going through grieving a lost loved one in fur baby form, grieve, allow yourself to grieve just like you would if it was your child, your brother, your mother, it is normal, it is okay. So you guys, we're talking to Joan Ranquette, you can find her at joanranquette.com. And you are listening to the high energy health podcast. I'm Amanda Wonderland guest hosting for Dawson Church, we're going to have a little a commercial break, and we will be right back. So stay tuned. Hello, and welcome back to the High Energy Health Podcast. This is Amanda Wonderland, and I am guest hosting for Dr. Dawson Church. And my guest today is Joan Ranquette. She is an animal communicator, and she's an animal guardian, educator, TEDx speaker. She's also the author of Emotional Freedom Techniques for Animals and Their Humans, Creating a Harmonious Relationship Through Tapping. We're having a really lovely conversation about how amazing animals are and how amazing tapping is at helping animals regulate, helping their humans regulate. So we just spoke about animals in transition and how we can really honor our emotions as we lose our animals. And I am just so curious, Joan, about what brought you to this in the first place? What were you doing before this? What spurred this career transition and owning your own business and doing these trainings? What happened for you? So I lived in Los Angeles, where I live again now. I mean, I'm outside of LA now, but I lived in Los Angeles. I had a degree in theater. I'd lived in New York City. I came to Los Angeles to be an actress and a writer. And I was doing that. And it was very fun. It was very, there's no question. 
was very fun and I loved it. I thought it was my life's work. And then, like I said, in the late 80s, I'd had an animal communicator come out and I was like, what? Wait, what? That's cooler than what I'm doing, but I love what I'm doing. (laughs) And I think at the beginning when you said, you know, it, it took a few times for you to realize, like, I always joke that eventually, like, I could have started doing it then. But I didn't, you know, like I had so many opportunities to like leave, but I, instead I, I had to have an anvil dropped on my head. <laughs> and so that's kind of what happened. I had a, a beautiful horse that I would have considered, you know, my soulmate. And so I was really exploring that concept in the late 80s and 90s that like, wait, this is my soulmate. And so I loved the idea that I had this animal soulmate and I bred her. And the night of the birth, it went really wrong. So when we're talking about like grief and loss, just that last segment, this career kind of started out of the loss of that horse. I really, her baby, I eventually lost. So it was in that time that I kind of ran away from it and then couldn't not do this. And so it was a very painful process to get here, but it's been so much fun. And back then, there weren't a lot of people that were doing it. So it was, you know, there were some schools of hard knocks moments, you know, where it's like, people made fun of it. And I just, I just turned a blind eye and completely created a Pollyanna tunnel of like, it's Mm -hmm. so great. We're helping everybody. And then so now when people say, well, I don't know if he believes in animal, and I just say, there are people that don't believe in animal communication? How weird. So <laughs> I have that. But I, so, I, you know, it was a pretty cool progression as far as like being an animal communicator. I was in a PhD program that I didn't finish with Norm Sheely and Carolyn Mace. And, um, oh, okay. I know Carolyn Mace. Yeah. So, but in studying that, like I looked at like how they set up this energetic world in an academic setting. Right. Mm. So I really thought I wanted to have a healing center. And one of my best friends always says, well, maybe that healing center was just a big placeholder for the school because Mm. I was like, I'm going to have a healing center. And I would create all these healing things and do all the stuff. And then when I finally got this little healing center, I was really disappointed. It was so much work and I didn't, I didn't, wasn't in the joy of the healing. I was really frustrated with, I'm the one putting the the schedule together and bringing in the horse chiropractor. And, you know, I wasn't, I was in more management than healing. And so I stopped that and I was teaching all along. And then somehow I just thought to, well, again, based out of loss, my mom died in 2004. And so at the time I was flying all over the country and teaching all over. And I couldn't when my mom was dying that last year. So I would connect people up with other things like go take a horse massage class and I'll, I'll see you when I teach again in the spring. And so I started thinking about this giant education that I could create for people. And that's really how this came about was I wanted a way to connect everybody to the work at all times, even if they weren't in a live class with me. And then, and then there were teleconferences and the next, it just went from there. And then I thought about if I were to get this into an academic setting, what did Dr. Norm Sheely and Carolyn Mace do? They created hours and 
So I created a system of hours. There's X mm-hmm. amount of hours. There's X amount of homework. So there's lab work. And then there's X amount of case studies. And so we have all these classes for animal communication, medical intuition, EFT, scalar wave, advanced animal communication with behavior issues. I mean, it's just, you know what? I could sit and make up courses all day long. (laughs) So that's what we do. And then I have, uh, I take people on wildlife trips. So we have a a nature and wildlife part of the school. and, And then we have this whole shelter project. So We've got a lot of things going and it's, yeah, it's amazing. It sounds super comprehensive. I was looking at your website. You guys check it out. It's joanranquet.com, which is J-O-A-N-R-A-N-Q-U-E-T. Yes, I did say that correctly. <laughs> I was just making yeah. sure. Yes, joanranquet.com. And it's the communication with all life university that she's created that she was talking about having all the hours and case studies. Is Am, am I correct about that? Yeah. Yes. So, Super comprehensive. If you have any interest in working with animals, learning how to communicate with them, using all the different modalities, check that out. And then, yeah, there's also opportunities to go on these cool trips with you. And so what do you do on these trips? Like, where are you guys going next? I've got a trip to Tula Tula, which is an elephant preserve in South Africa. And if you've ever read the book, The Elephant Whisperer, he, this guy, Lawrence Anthony, had saved a rogue herd of elephants. And so we're going to go talk to those elephants that he saved like almost 30 25 years ago oh, and uh, my, most of my trips are more about communing but this one yeah. is going to be really communication yeah, yeah we all over i've been to with tigers in india and cheetahs in namibia and elephants. Mm. i just was in zimbabwe and that was amazing awesome. Ape in uganda so cool Wow, I bet they have so many stories to tell and you guys are going to just get earfuls, bodyfuls of all the information communing with these gorgeous animals. What a cool opportunity for anyone who's interested in learning more about animal communication and all the different modalities that Joan spoke about. Go to her website, joanrainquette.com. And don't forget to pick up Emotional Freedom Technique for Animals and Their Humans, Creating a Harmonious Relationship Through Tapping. It's been so nice to speak with you today, Joan. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys have been listening to the High Energy Health Podcast. Do your best to stay actively engaged and being inspired. We'll see you next time. 